This episode is brought to you by Unfortunate News. Um, rest in peace, Juice World, man. Um, obviously, no one deserves to go that young. Um, he definitely was already pioneering his own subgenre of of rap and with the emo rap and everything. And I, I wasn't. I was definitely vocal about some of his music when it came to certain topics, but there were definitely moments where he did captivate me. <clears throat> he did captivate me. And I think, I honestly think we lost a generational talent. So rest in peace, Juice World. Um, everyone, please, please go get proper mental health care if you can. Um, and if you can't, please reach out uh, to someone that's all. You're listening to Centunes. <sighs> he is Andrew K. Park. I am Sagar J. Kamnani, and this is the Centunes podcast where we listen to it so you can enjoy it. Andrew, how you doing? Man, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. I mean, it's been a while since we got together. I mean, of course, this is a hobby for the two of us. But, you know, life comes first. But I'm glad that we can finally get back to doing something that, you know, this is actually the first time we're, we're doing an episode like this. So um, I'm going to hop right into it. And Sagar and I thought it was time that we revisit, revisit one of our Sentunes alumnus yes. for a very heavily anticipated album release. Now, harken all the way back to just our second episode, our second one, and of course, my first recommendation ever, Alan Stone. You know life is ain't always sunny days, but right now, I can't feel... Stone has just released his latest album entitled Building Balance, his fourth album and third studio album to, album to date, and has stated in multiple interviews that he draws his this latest album's inspiration from becoming a husband and a father since the release of his previous album, Radius, which was released back in March of 2016. Stone has some very fascinating collaborations with the songwriting, which includes the likes of the one-hit wonder Mike Posner, and of course, fellow Sentinels <laughs> alumni, Two Leo Katzman, and Joey Dosick of Wolfpack. Crazy. Building Balance is exactly what it sounds like. It's an album showing the struggles and the joys of factoring in new challenges as a husband and a father and balancing that with his music career and all the highs and lows that come with that territory. So with all that being said, Soccer, let's hear some of your thoughts. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so if you recall the last time we talked about On Stone, I, I definitely acknowledged his soul vibe that he was putting down um despite the fact that <laughs> he is a white guy with the guitar and we know how i feel about that but um yes i definitely we definitely also talked about lyricism uh so musicality lyricism and of course alan stone's voice and what he could do with it all laid down a very specific vibe um i am very happy to say that on building balance Alan Stone has turned that vibe up from where it was to even higher. Um, this dude is just doing everything that he was good at 
better. <laughs> and um, I have, yeah, this album is, this is a great album, man. This is solid 14 tracks, about 40-ish minutes. This thing's, this thing's tight. This thing takes you from point A to point Z. You were just there. Let's get into some tracks and let's get into some specifics with the music that he does. Um, we open up with my, if you remember from last episode, my favorite Alan Stone song ever, Brown Eyed Lover. I've got a brown eyed lover on the other side of town. I don't want to keep her waiting. She's got me up with that. Um, wow. Still hits. Um, it's definitely one we've talked about before, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But um, I think it's great to start off this album with this song, especially considering the subject matter, because this is like the very early feeling of falling in love, you know? And um, later on throughout the track listing, Stone starts going through like issues in relationships. And it just goes to show that it is a journey and um, I'm going to get back to this, but he also ends with the song that he has previously released that Andrew and I both very much like, but yeah, we start with Brown Eyed Lover and then we get Sunny Days, which is kind of your, um, it's again, it's another building block um, for me. And it's a very like, this one's a little more like a guitar-y for me. So it's, it's very focused on, you know, guitars for instrumentation. Um, he has, you know, he's, it's, it's about sunny days. That's just what it's about. Um, really when you get to consider me, that starts getting there for me. Um, consider me, consider me, consider me, won't you consider me? I like the, pre-chorus leading into the chorus if you need appreciation without compensation someone to give you what you need Mm -hmm. if you're looking for some magic um all all in all i ask that you consider me and then his chorus is just won't you consider me the line i like what stone's doing here a lot of these tracks i have the same thing where he blends in like his elements of like being a white guy with a guitar that pissed me off to no end but then he (laughs) lays down different like soul like hits and little like synth chord stuff with all of that and it just it's just a very good blend of just music i know he technically identifies as folk and i i would agree with that classification but like lyrically presentation wise he is a folk singer but the fact that he's pulling from you know these elements of like we have we have what jazz elements sometimes we have soul elements sometimes we have funk elements sometimes um and that keeps going um lyrically again i want to bring attention to um sweaters I don't know. I'm not really like, I'm not usually a fan of these kinds of songs, but I don't know why. Like, again, the chorus, it was just very charming. It was, um, I, I guess there's not really much of a genius interpretation up yet, 
but this one seemed like it was saying bye to someone or like a little like bump in the relationship. Mm. And he says, you can take back all your sweaters. I just want the one with the coffee stain. And it's like, and then he said, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, this next line's important. He said, you can take back all the sweaters. I just need one for a rainy day. And to me, that was like, mm. that was just such a weirdly poetic way to put that situation. Because <laughs> it's like, yes, you're accepting that this person's out of your life. And yes, you're like, mm, shit. Or I might not talk to them again, or we're going through a break or a rough patch or whatever. And then it's like, but just leave me like something, you know, imperfect or of yours, like the sweater with the coffee stain to remind me of something that I liked on rainy days. That's kind of how I took that. And I just was like, I honestly couldn't even like focus on the rest of the song because I was like, this chorus is just very charming. And again, Alison looks like he sells kombucha out of a truck, but like he's insanely charming lyrically. And <laughs> yeah, yes, definitely. He sells kombucha and acai bowls <laughs> out of his uh, shout out Blue out Bowl, of his, like Prius <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> you know what it is with Blue Bowl. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Then we get to more of the oh, yeah. subject matter. Um, miscommunicate. Um, I liked Back to the Swing. Because, I, I mean, I wasn't quite expecting, like, swing music, but, you know, I was expecting something that is definitely, you know, movable and bouncy, and that, that's what I got. And, again, lyrically, he has he has just so many weirdly charming lines, like, my 98 Saturn seems, seems stuck in reverse, but the majority are troubles that I notice are always magnified by the way you focus. And I'm just like, Ooh. what the fuck? Exactly. Dude. <laughs> this is weirdly, weirdly fun. At, yeah. Back to the swing is a super fun song. Um, I definitely want to also get to I'm all right, which this one again Andrew's just going to keep making fun of me for being a sad boy. But this one, I was like, oh, shit. This is like, this is wild. Um, If I go through the lyrics, it'll probably take too long because I just like too many on this. But trust me, I'm All Right is just like, it is a great song. And honestly, sometimes you just need to be like, I'm okay. You don't need to get, sometimes like getting super hyped might be, you know, too unreal based on what you feel at the moment sometimes you don't want to just like delve deeper into being sad like um sometimes you just want to like it's kind of emotionally it brings similar weight to like ariana grande's just keep breathing in a way like that's the kind of feeling where it's like you know hey someday shit's gonna suck and you just have to take a second to be like i'm all right and i really liked what he was doing vocally here as well um Alan Stone seems to have kind of found, like, again, he seems to have kind of found things that he could build on based off of what he's already done well. And then we have a few more tracks, and the placement of his already released song, Warriors, at the end of this album, I didn't know it was coming. I didn't look at the track list before, but I just looked at I was on song 14, and I was like, all right, close this out. How are we going to close this out? And then just that opening with like the start of the song where he's just like on and on. And then he drags that out 
Ugh! So good! So good! <laughs> like, I still can't believe, like, I loved Brown-Eyed Lover, Warrior, from the singles that he had released last time we talked about him. And then, those are, like, the ones bookending this album, and in the middle is, like, this actual, like, thematic thing that Alan Stone is taking me on. And I think that's what I respect about this album the most. Like, it does stick the theme. And you know me, I'm a sucker for concept albums. I'm a sucker for, like, you know, going from one track to another with feelings that make sense and blend in together. And I think Alan Stone has really found that. Um, Yeah, man, I, I am very excited about this um i think it is one of the better albums of the year that i've heard so far um and it's december (laughs) like it is actually tough for me to rank this one i think what my list is up to like 70 or something right now i would probably put this somewhere in like the top 25 or top 20 even if i'm like really feeling it on a day it's one of those things i'm definitely gonna have to go back and listen to it again not because like i miss something but because like, I just want to go on this journey again, you know? Like, it's it's nothing harmful. It's nothing that's, like, rough to listen to. It's just real. It's just human emotions that are pretty re- universal. And the music's great. So I really appreciate all about all that about Alan Stone, and I really appreciate Building Balance. Uh, glad we got to talk about him again. Timely manner. <laughs> all right. So, what do you think? I know this is this is your guy. This is the guy that you sent me first. Um, and I think this, along with um, Mark Broussard, is probably up there with, like, my top recommendations that you've given me. So, Oh, yeah. So, Hit man, me. of course. Um, this was a highly, highly anticipated album, especially for me. Obviously, being the one who introduced Alan Stone to saga and to this podcast and it's funny we saw obviously a lot of singles there's a lot of singles on this album yet the crazy thing is it's unlike it's been a while since uh, i backed on drake but unlike drake these singles all fit on this album so the singles that were released in the last couple three two three years were brown and lover sunny days Taste of You, and Warriors. So that's four out of the 14 songs that were released in anticipation for this current album, Building Balance. And it, it fits. It fits because all of these songs, you know, whether it is Brown Eyed Lovers, which is kind of that preamble to a love story where Alan is singing about how he has someone on the other side of the city it's but like it's the perfect full. starting point for this. Yeah, it is. It's I'm crazy. like actually, because I like the song already, and then I didn't know the context of the song, and now I do, and it's just making the yeah. song better. And it's you know, "Sunny Days" is a is a big honeymoon type of song where you just got with your significant other, and you are really just every day is amazing, and you every day is sunny and and flowers, and you know birds chirping in the background, you know all that sappy cartoony things that people associate with someone in love, you know, flower fields, whatever the whole nine yards. Right. And then it kind of 
goes into a more somber mo- moment with Consider Me, which is a, a, a classic Alan Stone slow jam where he uses a lot of his falsetto. It's a lot slower. It's really just about how he's kind of, I think when I read the lyrics, listen to the song, it really feels like Alan Stone from his perspective of this love story is really, really hoping that I'm guessing the, the, the object of his singing is would be his eventual soon to be wife. And he's just hoping like, Hey, I hope you consider me as someone you could you know, spend the rest of your life with. And you can, you know, we've been through all these things together, but you know, it's still, we still have a lot to go, but I, I just hope that you can consider me. And it's, it's very, it's very, very heart, heartfelt. And it's very, very stripped down where the instrumentation of it is very, very simple, but tasteful, which is what Alan Stone, Stone is really, really good at doing that when he needs to be serious, when he needs to be somber, when he needs a much more serious tone to his song, he'll go ahead and do that. And then he turns right around and does stuff like Sunny Days or Back to the Swing or something like that. And Saga mentioned this earlier when he was talking about the album, but my favorite song on the album is Miscommunicate, which is... really fascinating song because on the outset it is very happy it has that big band sound that stone has kind of built up a reputation of with tons of horns and saxophones and just brass instruments in the background with loud you know bombacious drums and everything and uh, but when you listen to the song it's it's about how he and his significant other in this current relationship he has how they used to be on great terms but has since gone down a road of constantly miscommunicating with each other and how he wishes things were the way that it used to be before they started to miscommunicate and, you know, walk on eggshells and hold on to every single word that the other person said. And it's kind of, this is the whole building balance part of this album is that he he's finding the balance between him and his significant other in this relationship and it's something that is incredibly relatable something another thing that he really excels at and of course he talks about things about being a father and in this song miscommunicate the bridge has he suggests a possible solution to this miscommunication where it says where he sings quote if one plus one is you and me we can add another one for community so that's really saying if one plus one, if, if we're a couple, then if we really want to show commitment to each other, like we should have a kid. And then that way that we can really get on the same I did. page. <laughs> I did notice that lyric and I did think that was really good as well. And I just, yeah, lyricism on this is, I don't listen to much <laughs> lyrical shit <laughs> as like on a regular basis. So this was like a really nice refresher. Yeah, so it's, all these songs, they fit into place. And, um, you know, I do want to highlight Warriors a bit just because with Warriors, he actually, that song, I think I mentioned this in our first episode of Stone. He wrote that and that became the theme song of, I think, the 2016 Special Olympics and how it doesn't matter what your background is or what your ailment is or, you know, 
in the case of Special Olympics, all of the participants are uh, have some kind of mental disability that keeps them from, you know, that kind of bars them from certain facets of society, where in fact, that shouldn't be the case. And they should stand tall like warriors with their head high, which is, which is a big part of the chorus, which is stand tall like warriors, head high, head high, head high. And it's just kind of, it's really, it's a great anthem for anyone who feels like they're not good enough. And I feel like it just comes and it starts off, you know, with a lot, there's a lot of romantic songs in this, but he ends it on such a great note that literally anyone who is going through a hard time, which is basically everyone in the existence of human beings, they can listen to this song and really, you know, it, it, it's empowering to a lot of people who feel like they're not good enough or they feel like they're not strong enough for whatever reason. It's a very and uplifting it's, it's, song. I forgot about how uplifting it was. And then, so yeah. again, you know, this entire album, I think by far, this is his most pal- polished album to date. It has a very, very definable theme to it. And given the fact that he's seeing about clearly things that have gone on in his life, whether it's falling in love, getting married, having a kid, feeling down, having trouble balancing his life at home and in the studio and on tour, which in fact, he's actually going on tour. I think he's coming to LA in March. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to look to see him live just to, just so I can say that I did it, but all those things wrapped into one and, and it just adds to his, his sincerity and his, his genuineness as an artist. Cause I feel like that's another element of when we listen to songs, when we listen to music, that's, that's why we have this podcast, but also artists, this is their way of expressing themselves. And when an artist can connect with a listener, with someone in their fan base on more than just a, a surface level with the music itself, but the lyrics and the content of it and just the intention and sincerity, then that makes the artist just that much more revered and beloved. And that's why I love Alan Stone is because he can mix in his musicality. He can do crazy stuff like go from a slow jam to a big band sound to uh, a swing song, but then at the same time, make it all coherent in one nice tight package. And this is, yeah, this is an incredible album. It's, It's definitely one of my top, within my top 10 albums of the year, just by, by the metric of how many times I've listened through it. And it's, it has incredible replay value as well as just staying power with singles, um, not necessarily the singles that he released, but just single tracks. Cause I listen to miscommunicate a lot. I listen to give you blue a lot. I love uh, along with Sagar Brownie Lover and Taste of You. So like, there's so many out- songs that you can pick out out of context and have the song be great on its own. But at the same time, within the entire project, it works as it works towards that. And that's just, that's something that's really, really hard to do. And uh, the fact that it's a really, really tight project, 14 tracks, I think exact around 47 minutes. So there's really not a lot of time to, to take a break when you're listening to the song, just because each one builds on each other 
what contributes to the overall theme of the album so incredibly well. I agree. I agree. Um, wow. Just, just a, just a good fucking album. <laughs> it's like a really good fucking yeah. album. It's like, I know that's like the stupidest <laughs> review to give, but like, this is a good album. <laughs> so with that being said, yeah. um, I actually did not tell Sagar about this, but it's been a while since we had an episode and we started off kind of on a somber, really sad note to begin the episode, given the recent events regarding Juice World. Uh, rest in peace to him. But I don't know. I'm not feeling... I have actually a lot to talk about with what I'm chill with. So we're just going to do chill. We're going to talk about what we've been feeling, the music that we've been into, etc. So Sagar, this is just going to be chill. What have you been so- chill with? Okay. I'm down with that. That's a really good idea. Oh, so yeah. you're going to do a chill too? Fuck yeah. Okay, that's a really good idea. I like that. Um, okay, well, <laughs> do you not know what's coming? Like, you have to know yeah, what's I, coming. I do know. Just hit late on me. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> My fucking guy. <laughs> Abel Tesfe, <laughs> a.k.a. The Weekend. AKA Starboy, AKA Banger of Women. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck to say. The point is, Abel's back. <laughs> and um, I think he is back in a very incredible way. We have two singles released on the Thanksgiving weekend. We got Heartless, produced by none other than Abel. Um, his. What was his name? Oh, Elangelo, who was a producer that. Um, helped on Trilogy way back when. They go way back. And and they got motherfucking Metro booming to take the crazy bulk of this production. And you can tell because this beat is goddamn filthy. Like, uh, like, don't get me wrong, the lyrics are too. And that's why I don't really know. <laughs> They're a little like... It has that energy where it's like, okay, misogynist Abel is back. Um, missed you from 2011, but um, he's back in full swing. Um, you can still definitely tell that there's pain behind his voice when he's singing about how he's heartless. It's almost like he wants to have a heart, but he seems like he can't. Um, Metro just absolutely destroyed this beat it is one you have to play in a car it is so goddamn ridiculous um abel gets a nice little part where he you know has like an it's like the the production goes from the beat to like a nice little ethereal break and abel gets to vocalize over that in falsetto which is one of my favorite parts of the song but i still think Largely with Heartless, it's it's this beat. It is, it is definitely this beat. Um, and of course, Abel's voice. My personal favorite of the two uh, came afterwards in Blinding Lights, where, you know, we got a little bit of Trap Dick Abel <laughs> back, and we got 80s Abel back. And this song, it just sounds like a depressed version of Take On Me. <laughs> Kind of does. Which is insane. It kind of does, right? It has the same little, like, synth, like, 
Yeah, that whole thing, like, oof, so solid. And Abel absolutely much more lyrical on this one. Like, you can still hear pain behind his voice, but you can still, like, I really do like the chorus on this one as well. Um, If you've noticed these covers and these, like, weird look that Abel's going for and these lights and everything, um, it is actually direct references to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, classic film that I have not seen, (laughs) but will probably have to at some point. Um, I do, I have seen a lot of Ridley Scott stuff, though, and Abel's album Kissland that released in 2013 was heavily inspired by film and specifically the stylistic kind of vibe of Ridley Scott. So I'm, I'm wondering if Abel's, he's, he's definitely a movie nerd um, and like an older movie nerd too. He, he went as the Joker for Halloween, saw that. but not the Jokers that you and I know. He went to, I mean, we do know him, but we weren't even around during this, but it was, um, he went to Nicholson's Joker and I swear to God, I thought it was Jack. I, I was I like, "What the fuck? Like, how did you?" Him. That was it. Was something could not stuff. even tell the difference. Yeah, ridiculous. So, honestly, it just kind of seems like Abel's kind of being himself a little more so far, like a little more than he has been on some work in the recently. Like, I mean, yeah, like gets awful scenes like Lost in the Fire, and then he did that like. Power is Power song for the Game of Thrones Season 8 album. <laughs> which is like... <laughs> which had a verse from... Which had SZA vocals, which was nice, but also had a verse from Travis that sounded like he was rapping in High Valyrian. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think... Look, this has been hyped up since last year. Like, Abel has been talking about a Chapter 6 since last year, but the dude is a workhorse. If you haven't followed his track record, he's been putting out a lot of music, a lot, and they keep becoming big hits every single time he does. And um, I think I'm glad he got a break, and I think I'm ready for Chapter 6 officially with these two singles, because, yeah, my mind was... Yeah. (laughs) Ah, uh, it is so good to be back with Abel. Ah, uh, so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew exactly the moment. It's been a while you since we had coming. this. So, uh, full disclosure, Sager has been talking about this song nonstop <laughs> ever since it came out, and he was <laughs> spent the entire weekend, weekend plus, listening to it. So, I mean, it's and I've listened to it too. I'm not as heavy on on the weekend as Sager is. I don't think I ever will be, but it is. It's it's some good stuff, <laughs> especially the beat. The beat just hits, and I, I personally am a big fan of it. So I want to talk about really quickly, I got to see, now you can tell that we haven't done an episode in a while because on Halloween night, I got to see Mac oh, Ayers wow. live. And I've that talked about true. him. He, I, he was our episode six artist that I introduced and this came on the heels of his latest album that he released. And he went on his first full intercontinental tour. And the album Juicebox, entitled Juicebox. And it, it, all of his merch had like that juicy juice type of piping on it and everything. And this album 
first of all, I didn't get a chance to talk about it because it released. And then right after that, he went on tour. And being that he's he lives in L.A., he stopped off in the West Coast cities first. I saw him in in uh, downtown Santa Ana. And there's a really, really just intimate venue where it started. It, it was pretty packed. Not going to lie. It wasn't very big, but it was packed. There was just one GA section. And man, if you haven't had the chance, Mac Ayers live is just so freaking good because I think when he goes live, you really get to hear how good of a singer he is, how good of a vocalist he is. He's playing. He's also he's also playing his own guitar throughout most of the song, most of the songs. Uh, and just shows that he is super, super talented. And in, if you go back to our Mac Ayers episode, this was when his career was just starting. I just heard of him off SoundCloud, actually, his, his title song, Easy, which has still to this day, I would argue, is his most popular song, the most well-known song. He was just your average, not your average, but he was just a crooner. He sang a lot of slower songs, songs that were very low romantic focused and this latest album that came out was very he had a lot of really really good hits that i I can also also talk on a different episode but again mac ayers live was just incredible he could work the crowd really well he was talking to us in between songs and because it was the funny thing is the cool thing about his tour is every time he stopped off at a different town he He's a big sports fan, so namely basketball, but he would wear a jersey from that town. So when he was in LA, not Santa Ana, but when he was in LA, he wore a Dodger. Oh my god! Oh my god! It wasn't. No, no, he wore Dodger. It wasn't the Clippers. Was, oh, wore a Dodger okay. jersey. Um, <laughs> Manny Ramirez Dodger jersey, which is uh, a shout out to you know twenty thirteen. Uh, when he went to like Salt Lake City, he wore like a Donovan Mitchell jersey, I think. Um, he he's a nice, big Knicks nice. fan, so his last show was actually in New York City. Oof. So uh, I think he will he wore. Yeah, he could probably coach the Knicks <laughs> better than <laughs> probably. <laughs> but he like it was really really cool, um, and he went all over the country. And the funny thing is, because this was on Halloween, him and his entire band, which is basically comprised of all of his closest friends, who are also musicians, uh, musicians, they all. Uh, they literally went to like some random party store in downtown Santa Ana and just wore random stuff. And I don't even know what they were dressed as, but it was really, really funny. And uh, Mac Ayers, who is pretty much bald, he came out in this curly, black curly, like Jerry Curl wig and this glittery gold jacket. And it was, it was just a ton of fun. But again, really, really awesome. He is great live. So I imagine, uh, unfortunately, his tour ended it ended in brooklyn a, a couple weeks ago but if you ever see him i would really i'd really really um recommend that you go see him because he does he did do some some hits on some of his, of his earlier albums earlier two albums uh, and he ended of course he ended with easy so that was a big one where the entire crowd sang along and he uh he, he was just super, uh, couldn't be a, just a cooler guy to, to see live. And just a quick shout out to him. A couple other shout outs of things that I've been listening to recently. Um, this is kind of a blast from our high school, but it's crazy how these guys are still performing or making music. Uh, so Jeremy Passion, Gabe Bondock, and Melissa Polinar 
Jesus, Ghost Jesus, dude. did like a collab album, a collab EP where they, where they covered. Jeez, 2011 yeah, they, they called. They covered like each other's songs. Like <laughs> the three of them sang Lemonade, which is Jeremy Passion's biggest song. The three of them sang like and recorded Gentlemen Don't, which is Gabe Bondock's biggest song. And then the three of them also sang, um, was it Melissa Polinar's favorite song? Uh, not favorite, but most well-known song, um, Meant to Be. So it was just really, really cool um, that they got together and they actually toured a little bit. They came in LA, but I wasn't able to go to that. But it was just really, really cool. It was, yeah, like I said, blast from 2010, 2011, the, the height of YouTube singers. And I don't know, it was just really, really awesome. And to, to hear them, because also their, their, their voices have all changed a little bit. All of them, I think, have gone on to get, like, get married and have kids. So, uh, and they all kind of do their own thing, but still do music as a side hobby still. So just, just a really cool thing. So uh, big shout out to those guys. But that's it for t- this week's episode. I'm so glad that you joined us for another one. And I think we're looking to do more redo albums, redo um, artists like this and, and, and revisit them. Yeah, if I mean, if if one of them comes out with another album that's as good okay. as this, where we have to come bring attention to the artist again, that is definitely on our horizon. Um, I am very glad you got to go to a good concert like that. For for everyone listening, like go to concerts, go to the artists you that aren't charging like. $100 a ticket. Honestly, some of the best, like, in a vacuum, some of the most fun shows I've been to are the ones that are not super expensive. Yeah, that, that Mac Ayers yeah. concert, I literally bought the night of and decided to go by myself. And it was 25 bucks, And I had a blast. And, you know, it, it just so happens that Alan Stone is going to be in LA, I think, in March. And Lawrence is going to be also in LA in March. So I'm going to go to both of those. Which was your most listened to artist in yeah, 2019. Yeah. Spotify, yeah. And uh, we're going to, that's crazy. For those Damn. listening, Sagar and I, we're going to have an, uh, the best of 2019. We'll chat about our Spotify, best of Spotify unwrapped, wrapped 2019 stuff and uh, the best hmm. stuff. But yeah, Lawrence was my top artist listened to. So I'm going to go and see their show. It's, it's pretty cheap as well. It's like $25, $30 in LA on a Friday night. So nothing better than that. But anyways, thank you guys for joining us again. He's Sagar J. Kamnani. I'm Andrew K. Park. And remember to always send tunes. <laughs>